Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, I'm Blair Bathory, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, whether this is your first time or you're one of the brave souls who join us every week. Exacting your revenge on someone might feel good in the moment, like winning a game. But while it can make you happy at the time, it can also make you feel sick to your stomach later, like a lingering ghost that constantly nags you, reminding you of the horrors you inflicted. In the end, you might turn into the evil person you so hated, begging the question, who will then seek revenge on you? First, clean, pure torture. Then, revenge is a dish best served in soup. Finally, in our last story, a past full of secrets. Before we get to our stories, I wanted to ask if you would take a minute to rate and review this podcast. You can pause right here and do it now, or you can do it after you've listened. It's one of the many ways you can help Something Scary continue to grow, and it only takes a minute. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your support. So, wanna hear something scary? Sweet revenge. Some say that the feelings of guilt and regret can haunt you. But if you're a sociopath who feels no emotions, guilt and regret may have to manifest in a different form like in this story by Natasha Lefebvre. Louis Webster was an ordinary man of about 55. Each day, he would go to the park and sit on his favorite bench to feed the birds. He would nod politely at those who spared him a glance and wave to the regulars he saw every afternoon. Nobody ever thought that his behavior was strange or in any way alarming. What they, of course, didn't know was that Lewis Webster had a deep, dark secret behind his sunglasses. The polite old man in the park was none other than a serial killer who was thought to have been arrested nearly 10 years earlier. Known as the bird feeder, 
He killed his victims by starving birds of prey and then allowing them to attack a person until they bled to death. The victims all had one thing in common. They were rare bird owners. As a lover of rare birds, Lewis felt they shouldn't be owned by anyone. They should be in the wild for all to see. He compiled his first list of victims by talking to other bird watchers at the park. He would befriend the ones who talked about the rare birds they kept as pets. He lured them in by telling them he owned a home studio where he photographed people's feathered friends. One day, when Lewis got home from his trip to the park with a new list of potential victims, he had the most peculiar feeling in the pit of his stomach. Lewis's other secret was that he himself was a bird owner, but he justified it by not keeping any birds on the rare list. And it felt as if his beloved birds were calling to him. Poor dears, he thought. You're probably hungry. Don't worry, my sweets. Daddy will bring someone home to the nest soon. He chuckled to himself as he awaited the arrival of two young women who wanted photographs of their hyacinth macaw, a lovely addition they would make to his little family. Presently, a knock came at his door and he welcomed the two into his living room, offering them tea, which was already laced with a sedative. After they drank their tea, he invited the women to follow him to his basement, where he had already set up his photography equipment. Lewis always disguised the bird's feeding cage as the area where the victim would be seated while he was taking the photographs. There were even mirrors around the basement that were to enhance and create an almost natural lighting. Then, as he pressed the button on the camera, the cage door would slam shut and the birds would be released. This time, however, between the split second it took for the door to shut after he pressed the button, the women disappeared, leaving what appeared to be black smoke on the chairs they had been sitting on. Alarmed, he looked around the room. Movement caught his eye. Although the room was brightly lit, he couldn't see the source of the movement. He grabbed the long hunting knife he kept under his photographer's chair and began prowling the room. Come out, come out, wherever you are, he thought as he slowly inspected every inch of the room. My daughters are hungry. Movement flashed in one of the mirrors and he turned towards it slowly, taking silent steps closer. All of a sudden, the lights illuminated the mirrors and what he saw was the most horrible thing Two figures, wearing cloaks that covered up everything but their faces, stared back at him. They had no eyes and no mouths, only two pinprick holes in the center of their faces. The skin was paper white and flaked off as it moved. They were there one moment and gone the next. It was the first time Lewis Webster had screamed and fainted with fear. When he awakened, he was in the cage, the mirrors all around the torture of his victims coming to life in the reflective material, their screams of fear and agony echoing through his head. The only difference was, the victims' faces had been replaced with his own. Each time the birds attacked, he would feel the pain of their beaks cutting and ripping into his flesh, disembodied voices chanting the names of his victims until he couldn't hear his own breaths anymore. When the police found his body a week later, only shreds of his clothes identified the rotting pile of bones in the corner of the cage. The floor of the cage was covered with feathers, 
but no sign of the birds were ever found. Have you ever sensed something was off about a person? How did you know if they were just an unusual individual or if they were someone to stay away from? Tell us your stories by sending us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sometimes you need to do what you have to do to survive. But don't be surprised if that comes at a high price. A price you must pay with your life. Like in this story inspired by Patrick. It was a gloomy day aboard the fishing ship out in the Pacific waters. Deckhands were moving across the ship with their latest catch. A 10-foot-long shark was thrashing in on a deck as one worker finished cutting off the fins. They had been at sea for several days, officially fishing for tuna and anchovies. But in reality, they were being paid millions to fill the demand for shark fin soup. Anton watched in disinterest as the crew tossed the carcass back into the ocean and tossed their prize into the smuggler compartment in the freezer beneath the deck. Not like they had to. They knew that the authorities would turn the other way for the right price. The sea was choppy with the wind picking up. A storm was brewing. Anton suggested to the captain that they start heading back to port. Suddenly, a cry rose up from the stern, the crew was getting excited about what they thought was a big fish on the line. Anton was curious and went to see what was going on, thinking that something worthy of this commotion would be worth big money. Just as he peered over the side, the fish broke the surface. It was a great white shark, at least 30 feet long with massive fins. It took all hands on deck just to get the creature out of the water and onto the deck. The shark soon showed them how it had grown so large. It started slamming its body against the deck, its massive jaw snapping at anything that even tried to come close. Some of the more daring crew tried to grab the beast and hold it down, only to end up trapped in the clutches of its jaw. Soon the deck was red with their blood. The lucky ones were flung off like rag dolls onto their backs, necks snapped by the force. Anton, at the sight of the struggle, had run inside to grab the ship's gun. When he returned to the deck, he fired multiple shots aimed right into the shark's head. Yet it wasn't until the entire clip had been spent that the shark finally began to go limp. As the crew breathed a sigh of relief, an alarm sounded and the captain shouted to grab onto something. Anton clung to a rail as a strong wave slammed into the ship. 
He opened his eyes and was devastated to see the waves had knocked off his prized shark. Anton cursed their misfortune at the loss. But in the end, he knew there was nothing they could do, especially with the weather and the sea turning against them. As the ship turned towards port, Anton could have sworn he saw one of the shark's large fins jut out of the water. But when he looked again, nothing was there. The ship managed to get to port and unload before the worst of the storm hit, and the remaining crew was eager to tell their families about their death-defying encounter with what they would now be calling the Mad Shark. Rain fell for a whole week, the wind and flooding making it far too treacherous to go outside. In between the flashes of lightning, Anton could see the ocean from atop his small cliffside home, and he couldn't help but notice the shadow of a large shark swimming with its fins along the coast, only to disappear within the next flash. The day after the storm ended, Anton was startled awake by one of his crewmates, Leo, barging in the door with excitement. The entire beach was filled with dead sharks, already surrounded by people trying to scavenge what they could. But Anton felt uneasy about what he saw. The sharks were all starting to rot and their skin was turning green. Leo either didn't notice or didn't care and ran to the shore to grab the shark fins. A few days later, Anton was back on the ship along with a fresh crew. Well, not so fresh. Many of them were looking sick. They were sluggish, with dead eyes. Some were almost gasping for air, with skin looking a bit green. Anton was glad that he hadn't eaten any of those beach sharks. That was when he noticed Leo walking up the gangplank. Leo looked terrible. When Anton asked if he was all right, he said his stomach felt like he was on fire. Anton tried to warn him against eating the meat. He told him just to hug the deck and he would feel better soon. Soon enough, they were on their way, and by nightfall, they got to work. Leo, who was still clutching the guardrail, could barely do anything, and he was full-on wheezing, like he was struggling to get any air into his lungs. His skin was turning a sickly green. Um, maybe you should head in and get some rest, Anton said, which Leo just ignored. Anton got back to work and was about to toss the line when a dark object beneath the water caught his attention. It was only there for a moment and quickly disappeared from sight. Did you see that? Anton asked, only to be answered by silence. He went around to any other crew member who still appeared to be healthy and told them to keep an eye out for whatever made that large shadow before deciding to head into the bunks for some shut-eye. As he walked to the bunks, he couldn't help but notice that many of the sick crew members had gotten worse, like Leo, to the point where they seemed like they could barely stand. That must have been some seriously bad fish, he thought to himself as he nodded off to the sound of the sea. A massive shudder woke Anton and he got to his feet. He heard the alarm for all hands on deck and rushed outside. When he got out, he found half the crew struggling with something over the back of the ship. Just putting his hand on the line, he could feel the weight of whatever beast they were bringing up. Just then, he looked over and again saw the massive shadow from earlier, as well as a fin sticking out of the water. A massive shark. But Anton felt a sense of unease. This shark fin was not normal. 
he could see that it was a sickly greenish color and was coated with dried blood stains. Just then, he felt the beast ram itself into the boat. It took all their strength just to keep on their feet and avoid going overboard. Anton spared a quick glance back and saw the remaining crew members coming to help. That's when he heard a shout coming from the hook-wielding crew members. They had both managed to hook the shark, but when they pulled up the hooks, they were shocked to see what was on them. They had each pulled up large chunks of rotting green flesh. Anton suddenly felt a sharp tug on the line. The sick crewmates that had been on their way to help were now attacking each other, clawing and biting like mad beasts. Anton got tackled to the ground and fought with all of his strength. His eyes widened in surprise that it was Leo, but not the Leo that he knew. His skin had turned putrid yellow and green with pale white splotches along his stomach and underarms, which reeked of rot and had begun disintegrating. His hands had become sleek and rubbery with sharp claws where his fingers were. His neck was bloody with three slits along either side which pulsed with every ragged breath he took. His lips were peeling away, revealing rows of now razor-sharp teeth. His hair had begun falling out in clumps along with more rotten flesh. His eyes were now black as coal and gazed straight into him, filling Anton with terror. Leo kept pushing himself to try and sink his teeth into Anton. As Leo kept trying to get to him, Anton looked over and saw that the other sick crew members now all appeared like Leo and were swarming over the others, fangs ripping and pulling flesh like sharks caught in a feeding frenzy. Anton managed to push Leo off but slipped and fell trying to stand up to run and ended up sliding along the bloody deck. He managed to get to the handrail and to get to his feet, only to be tackled again by another mutated crew member and pushed over the side of the ship, tumbling into the water below, along with the many other mutants. Anton opened his eyes to find himself surrounded by these decomposing fishmen circling around him. He braced himself for the end, but for some reason, they didn't attack. Instead, they parted to reveal a massive shark swimming up to them. But it was unlike any shark Anton had seen before. It was the same sickly green as these crew members with a pale white underside. Flesh was missing from its body, and some fins were barely hanging on by threads. Its jaw kept falling open, unhinged, only to snap back shut eyes pale with no life behind them, and between the eyes on its head were multiple holes surrounded by dry blood. Anton's eyes went wide as he realized this was the shark that had wrecked havoc on his last voyage, and he immediately came to the realization that it was this shark that had attacked the sharks and left them stranded on the coast, and this shark had spread its curse to his crew. Anton tried to swim away, to try and make it back to the ship, but it was no use. The man-shark creatures surrounded him and kept him from going anywhere near the ship, all while the dead shark swam faster and closer, stretching its mouth wide. When Anton turned around, half-starved of air, all he saw were the cold, dead eyes of a killer. And all that could be seen on the surface was a fresh blot of blood that had drifted up along with a few bubbles. Three days later, Navy ships patrolling found the fishing vessel abandoned 
with nothing more than dried blood and seawater. On the deck and the many corridors and rooms on board, as well as a hidden hold with shark fins. Another one of these shark hunting boats, one officer said, all abandoned with the signs of murder of the most gruesome variety, the other officer said. That makes what, seven this week? Eight, if you include the port town, and in only three days, the first officer said back to the second. We gotta find the people doing this. But the officer shook his head. He had suspicions for a long time that whatever did this wasn't people. Then, just as they passed on the deck, a green fin appeared out of the water, only to disappear seconds later. Would you ever eat exotic foods like monkey brains or shark fin soup? Does the experience outweigh what it takes to make these foods for our enjoyment? In the best case scenario, someone learns their lesson before their victim seeks deadly revenge. Like in this story inspired by true events from Emily S. Coming from a divorced family, I often feel like I'm just floating between my mother and father. Each of my parents has remarried, creating whole new families, and I simply try to fit in where I can. I've never felt a strong connection to my mother. She always talked down to me and favored my half-siblings over me. I feel like I'm a living, breathing reminder of a past she wished she forgot, a terrible past I wasn't even aware of. On the other hand, my father is the sweetest, He has always treated me well, even though I saw him less often. When his latest child was born two months ago, he tried to give me as much attention as possible, though it was challenging with a newborn around. Lately, I've been spending more time at my mom's, and she's been treating me even worse than before. Every time we go out, she provokes me and gets angry when I react. At times, it feels like she's an old aunt of mine putting up with me for the sake of her deceased sister. In my fantasies, a woman would visit me while I lay in bed. I named her Amelia. She was my ideal mother, someone who never talked down to me, always supported me, and was a great listener, offering warm, comforting hugs. She was the mother any child would dream of, but of course, she was only a dream. When my real mom made me feel down, I pretended to be in Amelia's warm embrace. She encouraged me to prioritize my mental health and not let that woman get to me. I loved Amelia. She wasn't real, but she felt more like a mother to me than my own mom did. One night, after a heated argument with my mother, I found myself hiding and crying in my closet. Suddenly, the lights flickered. I initially brushed it off as a minor issue but it kept happening. Later that night, I heard the sink running in the bathroom next to my room, but no one ever came all the way upstairs to use that bathroom. The next morning, I mentioned the running water to everyone, and my mother insisted that no one had gone upstairs that night. Then she got angry, suggesting that I was sleepwalking, and in doing so, I had been the one to leave the water running. These strange sounds and light flickers started happening more frequently, And every night, Amelia visited me, telling me how proud she was of me. Often, I would cry when she said that, 
something my own mother never did. Then I had a dream that was out of the ordinary, even for me. In the dream, Amelia hugged me, and it felt real that time. She said she was tired of seeing me so upset and crying all the time, and that she was finally going to stop my mother. She was going to take the revenge on her. I asked her what she meant, and she replied, Don't worry, sweetie. I didn't mind until I woke up to go to the bathroom. All of a sudden, the reality of what Amelia had said struck me. A terrible feeling overcame me. I started to sweat and my mind began to unravel. As much as I sometimes hated my mother, I didn't really want anything horrible to happen to her. I convinced myself that it was all just a silly dream. Nevertheless, I went downstairs to my mom's bedroom just so I could get some peace of mind. There she was in bed, but when I called to her, she didn't answer. I shook her and she didn't budge. She was unconscious and not breathing. I started screaming and shaking her. My stepdad was furious when I woke him up until he realized that my mother was in trouble. He called 911, and luckily, the paramedics were able to revive her. After receiving the okay to visit her in the hospital, she held my hands and cried. I'm so sorry for how I have treated you. I didn't realize how much I was affecting you, she said. I shrugged because I had never felt warmth from her. Then she said, I do love you, you know. Usually, I had a feeling she was lying every time she said that. But this time I didn't. Then she whimpered. She said she would kill me if I didn't treat you better. I was shaken. I barely had the courage to ask, but I did, saying, Who? She replied, Amelia, my sister. I was taken aback. So Amelia was real all this time. Apparently, she was my mother's sister. They were close, and when I was born, Amelia was thrilled to have a little niece. She took care of me when my mother was out partying, snuggled me to sleep, and tended to all my needs. However, it was during my mother's wild days that Amelia died in a horrible, careless accident while my mother was under the influence. It tore my mother apart. When she finally got her life together, I became a reminder of her sister and a slew of life choices she regretted. I cried. I still cry to this day. How could I forget Amelia's loving embrace, her care, and the way she looked after me when my own mom couldn't? I blamed myself for not being smart enough, pretty enough, or good enough to love, but it was really my mother's own guilt that she was taking out on me. Things got much better after that. My mother was much more aware of the way she treated me. But I still look forward to the day when my Aunt Amelia and I meet again. Have you ever felt like by the way someone behaved, there was more to the story than you knew? How did you get to the bottom of it? This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, narration by Blair Bathory, audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris, produced by Anna Villalobos, executive produced by Gail Gilman, music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. 
Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.